This is Wayne Goldsmith, and welcome to Sports Thoughts. I've spent 25 years traveling the world, working with some of the world's best athletes, coaches, and teams, trying to discover what it is that they do, how they think, and what it takes to be the best in sport. Subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com to keep up to date with my thoughts on sport. Okay, welcome to Wayne's World. It's Wayne's World with Wayne Goldsmith. Wayne Goldsmith is the star of Wayne's World. He will be in Wellington on Friday, July 26, which is uh, rushing up very fast. It's the day before the uh, test match between the All Blacks and South Africa here in Wellington. And Wayne is presenting a very special event on the night of Friday, July 26, which um, we'll tell you more about and also have a couple of tickets to give away uh, at the end of our chat today. But he joins us now from his home on the sunny Gold Coast. How are you, Wayne? Well, it's not so sunny. Now you mentioned that test match. How would you approach it? I'll start off, instead of you asking me a question, I'll start off asking you a question. But with the World Cup uh, rugby coming so close, uh, how do you, would you, if you were South Africa and New Zealand on that day, how would you play it? Would you, you show all your cards and make a point? Would you keep a little bit in reserve? How do, how do you think you'd attack it? Yeah, such a good question because obviously they play each other in the opening game of the Rugby World Cup or their opening game, don't they? I think they've played each other often enough, haven't they, Wayne? And, and they know enough about each other that it's not as though they're going to keep things from each other. However, having said that, you know, a couple of new players into the into the uh, into the All Blacks mix, a guy like Sever Reese who might you know explode at the World Cup. Maybe you'd keep his powder dry. I don't know. I'll ask you, the expert. What would you do? Well, it's it's no matter what, they'll already have the. Been the post-match spin in place. So, you know, if it's a close match, you can imagine the coaches and the leaders from both South Africa and uh, NZR sitting down and saying, well, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're trying a few new things, a few new players. It was a close game. If it's very one-sided, if the All Blacks win by a long way, they'll obviously have to downplay it because they don't want to overestimate their expectations in public. The South Africans, if they get close or they'll win, they've got, you know, they're going to, I think the post game to me is going to be as fascinating and as interesting as the game itself because it's, it's, uh, even though the rugby championships are obviously important, I think that, that there's, there's so much play either way. The media could take it if South Africa won by a long way that that creates panic in New Zealand. Uh, public's demanding changes or going back to things that got you through in the last couple of World Cups. If New Zealand win easily, there could be... An, uh, look, but, mate, I reckon the post-game game will be better than the game game. Mm, no, you make a great point. Looking forward to it. Hey, um, the Black Caps are in the middle of a one-day international, which seems an odd thing to say, but the rain obviously put paid to having a full day's play at Manchester last night, our time, so they'll come back and give it another crack. That must be quite difficult for a uh, for a, a cricketer to deal with the fact that that basically their game, which is a one day international, is split across two days. How would um, how would New Zealand, for example, approach something like that? Well, if they're smart, and I do know some of the guys uh, who've been coaching and around the Black Caps, and they are very smart. I, I would think that you'd want to have a good deck of cards, or these days maybe even an Xbox or a 
PS4 or something, the, the, the immediate thing would be to take a deep breath, to relax a little bit and say, okay, the plan wasn't able to be executed. What are we going to do about it? But I'd, I'd give them some space, first of all, a couple of hours of at least of just relaxing, coaching team, maybe go for a walk, do a gym workout, have a cup of tea and just uh, very calmly and with great composure and thought, think about where they are and then gradually start to bring them back together. The worst thing would be drag them off, rush them into the nets, show them the videos, change the plan. The, any sign of panic would be terrible. It would be basically, oh, well, guys, we just continue tomorrow, same game plan, same execution, get a good night's sleep. I think the worst thing would be to overcoach the situation, and I, I suspect your guys are too smart to do that. Mm, well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, one guy who's having a terrible time of things at the uh, Cricket World Cup is Martin Guptill. Now, he's got an amazing pedigree, uh, one of our best ever one-day international batsmen, but he's in uh, he's in a heck of a trot at the moment. In fact, I had it pointed out to me this morning but uh, that uh, the eight innings, his last eight innings, uh, the, uh, has scored the fewest runs in his entire 177-game career. He's in a real trot. Um, you know... People lose form all the time in all kinds of sports. So if you were advising Martin Guptill now, what sort of things would you be telling him? Well, I I tend to go through a a bit of a reductionist process, if you like, and this is, I I, I look first of all, if you're coaching, (coughs) excuse me, I look and think, what, what what the problem isn't? So is it that there's one bowler, one type of bowler only that's been getting his wicket? Well, no, it's been... Different surfaces, different players, different types of bowling. So it's not that. Is it the surface that he's not used to? Well, you know, again, if you've been to England and you've been to New Zealand, there are many similarities in in pitch conditions. There's a lot of water around quite often. Uh, You guys are exceptional with swing bowling, so are the English. Well, maybe it's not that. So you keep cutting back, and sooner or later, I think you end up, it either has to be a technical thing that he's changed, so someone's made a suggestion that, going into those conditions, you need to make a technical change. He may have made a small, and I'm not good enough on cricket technique to know that for sure, but quite often people will say, all right, you're going to England. Now, if you just put your foot a little bit here or move your hip there or change your head position, you'll get a lot more value for your shots in those conditions. Sometimes those last-minute technical issues, and maybe you've got to talk to someone from cricket who knows that detail that I lack, but um, quite often that happens is they'll say, look, they overread the English conditions. Someone's made a last minute technical tweak or he's tried a technical tweak and it just hasn't worked because it's just not his way of playing. And of course, mate, the mental side is going over there with huge expectations of his nation, of his teammates, his own expectations. And that amount of pressure just causing a little bit too much, too much stiffness in his hands removing some of the natural fluidity he's got and the ease of motion, too much tension, which is the enemy of performance in every walk of life. So I would really be looking at any last-minute technical changes that may or may not have occurred. If you can put a line through that, then very much go to the mental side. And as for advice, I know it's pretty dull and boring, but do the simple things well and clarify them. So as a coach, I always say to coaches, in all sports, simplify, clarify, simplify, clarify. To, to give him one, at, at maximum two things, cues around breathing, re- relaxation, a technical cue about where his head is. One or two really simple, very, very clear instructions 
that he can understand, he can execute and just stick to those. I think that's uh, the issue when you've got commentators and you've got players and the analysts and the coaches and the opposition, everyone saying, well, what's wrong with the player? And that then becomes an over-analysis of what's... You, you cut past all that and go back and simplify, clarify, and that quite often solves the most problems. Is there value to taking a guy out of the spotlight? I mean, apart from the fact that he's not getting any runs, which isn't helping the team, is there a, a personal benefit to the player of taking him out of the spotlight? Effectively, you're dropping him, but you're doing it almost almost to be kind to the guy, if you get my drift. Is there value in that? Yeah, without knowing the player, that's quite often a strategy. Is In cricket, they typically drop them down the order a little bit to see if they're not there facing the early bullets and uh, they can manage their time a lot. It works really well for some places. I can think a lot of players over the years that they've dropped two or three places. As long as the player has a relationship with the coach and the captain based on trust and they're able to say, well, all right, I've been dropped down the order or I've been put on the bench or I'm in a reserves team, I'm in another group because the people that know me best have decided that's the best thing for me and I trust in their judgment. If, on the other hand, if you say, well, mate, you're obviously not doing the job for the team and we're going to drop you, without some sort of support mechanism around it or without that trust relationship, it can obviously make things a lot worse. The player's already feeling, he'd already be feeling in his heart, mate, dad, he's let his nation down, he's let his teammates down, he's let himself down. If you're having those sort of feelings, and if you then say, Ram, we're going to drop you again, that can cause some significant mental and emotional issues. But... Uh, yeah, Piney, at this level, the coaches are so good and the teams are so well performed. They've done so much team development work. I'm sure a player of his level, if he was given that level of news, he'd say, well, this is the right thing for me and it's the right thing for my team, regardless of how I feel personally. In your experience, Wayne, in team sports, uh, how many players, I mean, and I guess it'll have to be a percentage, and I'd imagine it'd be a quite small one, how many players would have the wherewithal and the self-awareness to go to a coach and say, coach, I know I'm not playing very well at the moment. You've got to drop me. Well, that'd be a tough one. I don't know if there'd be too many. I think they'd reach out for help first. But even before that, Piney, I would like to think that in a good team, so a team who's based on selflessness, where it's about we and not me, it's about you and not I, it's about us, it's about our collective uh, focus, our collective goals, that the leaders of the team, the people who are mentoring him, the coaches, would have gone really early on and just, how are you going, mate? How are you enjoying the, the tournament? Um, how did you feel about your last um, dismissal? How did you feel about the way you go? So you'd like to think in a team that's high-functioning that there are people who really care about him as teammates and as coaches and as colleagues to be watching all the way along and asking those simple questions, mate, I've noticed you know, this is the second time in a row you've got out of, outside off stump. How's your head when you're there? How do you feel you're moving? How do you feel your feet are, your feet are moving when that type of delivery comes down? So I, I think that had happened way, way before someone had get to that stage. Uh, you know, I think they'd only do that. They'd only fall on their sword or fall on the head of their cricket bat. They'd only fall on their sword really when I think they've exhausted all the other avenues, when they've gone through, I need to change something, uh, I need to have a, a break. Because that's always the issue within a tournament. I, I often say in these tournament situations, Olympic Games, 
leading into the competition if in doubt and things aren't going well, train more. So work on attention to detail, increase your training commitment. Once you're actually in tournament conditions, rest more. And it's it's a simple thing I've used for a long time because there's nothing he can really do at the moment technically that's going to make a huge difference. He can't do anything tactically. He can't get fitter. He can't get stronger. He can't get faster. There's nothing he can really do significantly by doing more of it that's going to make a difference. If anything, generally, once you're in a Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, a multi-week tournament, the best option is rest, relaxation, recovery, uh, meditation, all those types of techniques generally work better than someone saying, well, you're going to go on the nets for six hours and get this thing right. That's that. The time's gone for that. That should have been done two, three, four months ago. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more sports thoughts, subscribe to our newsletter at wgcoaching.com. Thank you.